And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, everybody working up. Everybody's working. With that time, yours. Like an oasis in the desert here in August. It's not the desert, it's too humid for that, but it sort of felt like the football desert for a while. We finally got the thing during Chiefs training camp that I was most looking forward to seeing again that has given me a rejuvenation to take me into the next week of training camp discussions. Nate Taylor, we got to hear from Steve Spagnuolo again, and it was so refreshing, such a breath of fresh air, something I treasure so deeply, and you were there for it. Yes, I was. Yes, I was, Josh. It was a treat. Um, the team, for whatever reason, from a scheduling standpoint, had kind of held spags at the end of the line in terms of who was talking after each day's practice, um, which is fine because this is Andy's camp and Andy Reid sort of um, wants to be the voice throughout the majority of training camp. But yeah, just to hear Steve Spagnuolo, I think, inform fans in a way through some questioning, one of my own, I believe. That was kind of a bit of a buzz on Wednesday about, you know, how do you push Tyron Matthew and Tyron mm-hmm. Matthew using all resources, all experiences to get himself ready for the upcoming season. And then, Josh, I'm sure you saw this. Stan Spagnuolo wants the defense to be cheered. Yes. <laughs> yes. You can't come to St. Joe <laughs> only ready to cheer for the offense. That's I right. Mean, there's there's a 90 man roster. Three of those men are on special teams, so you take them away. Half of the rest, fellas, play on defense. Ladies, children. When Nick Bolton intercepts a pass, Steve Spagnolo wants you to clap, cheer, give a shout out to the defense. But he's like, you know, apparently they only clap on long, deep <laughs> completions. To which tells you all you need to know about the NFL. It's a pass-happy league. The league wants scoring. It is engineer scoring into the rule books. And for old farts like Steve Spagnuolo, just just hold the other team to like high twenties, and we'll win. We'll oh, win, yeah. right? Dumps, we'll win. Absolutely. Like you know, we we don't need you to be dominating like it's the seventies, eighties, and perhaps even the early nineties. But I think a lot of what Steve Spagnuolo said is informative, Josh. And I'm wondering. From your vantage point, what have you taken away from training camp that we can really hold on to, given that as we're recording this, we've seen just three practices in pads, and that is the most realistic football we've gotten. Yes. And we'll get until, like, next weekend's preseason game? Yeah. 
Uh, for me, I, I really was so excited to hear from Spag because I knew he would give us a little bit here and there. And so I think mostly, I mean, I've just got, I've got the world's most useless notes for like the rundown today because it literally just goes OL, DL, CBs, LBs, injuries. Like, oh yeah, we could just work through position groups because like, I think we've gotten little nuggets from lots of different places. But some of my favorite stuff, specifically going back to Spags, was talking about, you know, how not only Chris Jones is going to be playing multiple positions. And mm-hmm. that was, I think that was one of the first times we had gotten the phrase multiple positions as opposed to just talking about playing defensive end, which of course we, we knew, we've talked about on this show plenty. Chris Jones is going to move. But Spags was like, yeah, he's going to move. And, and so is Turk. And so is Mike Dana. And, and the, the flexibility that they're expecting to see there. We heard him talk a little bit about Legereus Sneed. We've heard about the cornerback battle. There is a new cornerback name that I know we'll talk about at some point when we get to that unit. Like, we've seen a, a, a decent amount of information come from camp. Also, I mean, obviously, the, the offensive line, I think, is probably still the biggest storyline of the offseason. And we've gotten, like, actual developments there. A couple of them. One, I think, very good. One that concerns me a little bit. There's a little... A teaser to make sure you listen to the rest of the podcast. But I've just, I have been pretty pleased, all things considered, by the the number of of items we've gotten to talk about, the amount of news we've gotten, and the the pressers we've heard. You've always got to separate the wheat and the chaff a little bit. You're always going to get some non-answers mixed in there in the press conferences. You're always going to get some questions about, you know, Nick Bolton bringing a highlighter to camp or whatever. But (laughs) there's also been some good stuff that, that really has made me very happy. Yeah, and even... For established players such as Travis Kelsey, yeah, I I think hearing his optimism about Noah Gray, yes. and the development of Jody Fortson, that is substantive. You can yeah. really see that the way the offense is developing is really fascinating, both at the skill position level um, and obviously at the line. Here's where it gets really interesting to me. There have been days where Patrick Mahomes has sort of shown some frustration. There has been days where he's been, you know, the encouraging leader, fiery, get everybody going. Unlike years past, in the the year I'm thinking of most specifically is in 2019, when it was Steve Spagnuolo's first run with, mm-hmm. you know, Tyron Matthew, Frank Clark, Chris Jones, Anthony Hitchens. And I got to admit, the offense used to smoke these dudes yeah. for long stretches. Yeah. And I think I think the defense got better toward the end of training camp. And I remember asking Patrick at the time, like, I'm starting to see the progress myself. Do you see it on the field? And he sort of said, yes, at some point it's going to get hard for opposing offenses to kind of know what we're doing just because I can sort of see what that unit is doing on the other side of the ball yeah. as they get more in communication more in tune with one another from a chemistry and timing standpoint, there are large segments now where the defense is right there and the offensive player, uh, whether it's Mahomes or whoever he's, you know, targeting or even, okay, this person has the ball out in space, even from a running standpoint, whether it's a, you know, the traditional nine on seven drill, you know, where you're really trying to make sure you're getting movement up front when you're running inside the tackles, the the defense has has surprised me in a really nice manner because I know what to expect from the offense and the the offense still has a high caliber to reach. But I think if you're a Chiefs fan concerned about the defense, training camp and the way Spagnolo, like you mentioned, Josh, has explained things and what I'm seeing on the field, it's translatable to where if everybody's mostly intact from a health standpoint, 
going into year three, uh, this defense will present different problems than in previous years, which was the whole point of this offseason on that yeah. side of the ball. So the offense can still reach a level that I don't think the defense can, mm-hmm. but there's a more of an even competition than it was in 2019, which obviously was the last time I would see practices in the normal training camp setting at St. Joe. I saw a tweet from the uh, the esteemed Tucker D. Franklin today where, from camp where he said, Patrick Mahomes has checked down a couple plays in a row during the situational seven-on-seven session, and each time he turned around and said, I know, I know, as if he was talking to Reed or BNME who was about to tell him something he missed or whatever. Like, that, there's a little frustration I think you're probably alluding to in terms of like, hey, this is actually... This is actually a battle now, which also makes sense because you've gotten you're into year three of Spags and year three of of Spags, Matthew and, and, you know, whatever guys have been there for that whole stretch of time. You're getting some disruption from Chris Jones, you know, inside and out like that. Yeah, it's always funny because, I mean, you're practicing against yourself, right? It's even Spags saying, hey, come out here and cheer for the defense as well. Uh, But I think it's a good thing to see the defense making it difficult for the offense, not just from like an iron sharpens iron point, although that's probably a, a fair one, but because I have very, very, very few legitimate doubts about the Chiefs offense going into the regular season. It's just, is the offensive line going to be as much better as they think it is? I think that's really my only major question, maybe your third pass catcher, whatever. But I do have plenty of questions about what the defense is going to look like. And I, I think I'd rather see the good signs from the unit I'm more worried about, even though it does imply, you know, well, why can't the offense get an edge? I, I just think that Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid and Travis Kelsey and Tyree Killer are going to be fine. I'm excited to see some good news from the defense. Well, let's take it bit by bit, right? Yeah. There have been days in camp. And now we're entering two weeks of full on training camp, um, starting to see little things that are different, starting to see, uh, the way Andy wants practice to be operated. So there have been days where Tyreek Hill has mispracticed because of knee tendonitis. There were mm-hmm. days earlier in camp where Travis Kelsey had some back soreness. He mostly described it as his back. The team said back and hip. Miko Hartman's been really consistent, but they're giving more reps. And I don't know if I've written this specifically in The Athletic, but they're giving reps to younger guys because mm-hmm. they're the ones that need the reps. Some of it is injury-related or like, hey, just be cautious with what we already know. But let's get Noah Gray as many looks. Let's get, you know, McColl as many looks as possible. Let's see what Cornell Powell has with the twos. Antonio Callaway, who as of Thursday, did not finish practice because of some issues with his left knee. And they're going to check that out. And I'm assuming we'll get a report back either later today or going into Friday's practice. But... The skill position players aren't exactly as it will be on week one. The difference is we've seen more of that on the other side of the ball, which I think is very important. Like having Anthony Hitchens, who has had some hamstring issues, but he was back today. Nick Bolton's gotten a lot of run. We know what Legereus Sneed's role is because I've seen him be in the outside and on the inside. Traverius Ward's in there. A little bit of Mike Hughes or DeAndre Baker, but by and large, I know what the 11 to 12 are going to look like on the defensive side of the ball, Mm -hmm. and I think they need collective reps together more than the offense, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally, because you're talking about them working together as a unit, 
as opposed to on the offensive side or trying to find some new guys who can contribute in terms of yes. the pass catchers and all of that. Like, I think I think that makes perfect sense. Um, I want to circle on the injury thing. And also, I, I probably should have mentioned this approximately 10 minutes ago, but no Seth today. I uh, just couldn't be with us for this episode. Expect to have him back just whenever it works out again. Um, but but uh, Seth Kaiser, absent. He out with uh, out parentheses lawyer today is his injury designation yeah i think it actually works out perfect because i wasn't gonna say anything because we usually prevent seth from talking in the first five to six (laughs) minutes anyway because he's always ready to go and you know i love you buddy but like if we go eight minutes into the show then we've lost him and you know so we've got a we've got a Really find that <laughs> so right. window to throw the ball to Seth in yes. this coverage of podcast world. But no, I thought it was perfect that I, I looked <laughs> at my clock. We were at the nine minute mark and I was like, people are waiting for Seth. Josh has let me talk twice now. Yep. <laughs> this is the perfect time to let people know Seth isn't here. That's right. Because, yeah, at this point, if we if he was here, it wouldn't be. To- I'm guessing this would not have been the longest we'd accidentally box Seth out. <laughs> but I also think that if he had not talked at this point, we would have, we would now get a little quip from him about how he you know, we don't value him enough. And then he'd be quiet for another seven minutes and then he would talk for eight straight minutes whenever we talked about some some film stuff. So so uh, what you're saying is Seth is right now on his notes app typing <laughs> this thing out and he's like, look. I've been the best cornerback on this team, and everybody knows it. You know, <laughs> Seth Kaiser now demands a podcast trade. <laughs> oh man, I, that would be what would that market be like? Holy smokes, what would what would we look to get in return? Oh, that's. I feel like I feel like I would be in danger. I feel like I might yeah, all of a sudden he, end up being. You know, you're 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 gonna be Chris Paul. You got a lifetime deal at this point. But like, I feel like I might be. I might be like. I might be Lamelo. You know, I might get. <laughs> I'm ner- I'm nervous. No, uh, no, no need. But but hey, I, I appreciate Mr. Harrod being like, I'm gonna be a professional. And look, Seth would be a professional as well. We I'm just glad we are not I repeat, we are not in that scenario. Just a, just an observation to make you laugh. I also meant La- I meant Lonzo and I said LaMelo, and even that, even that. Now I'm gonna carry that with me through the rest of the podcast. All right, let's talk about the Chiefs things. I don't have to think about how I can- still do not remember the correct names of all the various ball brothers. <laughs> Which, you know, we only have so much hard drive space in our heads. I could yep. probably I could probably use that space better anyway. You mentioned a couple of the injuries that have popped up. So Tyreek Hill didn't practice on the first day of padded practice. Andy Reid later said knee tendonitis. He missed the next day, but he was back on the field today. Looked good from all the clips that I saw. Yeah. Uh, Alex Okafor, quietly, it seemed like, was was a, I, I have to imagine, a late exit because I didn't see a whole sort of flurry of tweets that usually come whenever a player walks up the hill early. Um, on on the same day that that Hill was announced with his uh, knee tendonitis, Okafor apparently a hamstring issue. That's what plagued him all of yes. last year. Um, I cannot remember, and if you can, Nate, uh, excellent. And if not, fine. Um, but he had two distinct hamstring issues last year. I cannot remember for the life of me if they were on the same hamstring or different, or if we even know that. So this is because we weren't in the locker room last year. Yeah. But um, Alex Okafor, toward the end of last season, uh, explained that it was one hamstring that hampered him. And I'm looking this up right now that I think hampered him. He he had a hamstring injury in the season opener against the Houston Texans. That's right. That plagued him, in honesty, for like two months. Right. He played against the Bills in October with one bad hamstring. I don't know if it was an overcompensation, but he hurt the other one. Okay. That really 
took him out of all of November, and then he had his best uh, stretch of the season in December when one assumes both of his hamstrings were healthy. But this is a case where you've really got to look at this, and the Chiefs will have an off day on Saturday, and I think my first day of concern for Alex Okafor is Sunday. If he's not out there even doing individuals and even just easing himself back in, you have a precedent where uh, the hamstring injury may take longer than you would hope. And does that prevent him from even being able to dress against the San Francisco 49ers in the first preseason game? Okafor is a, a, a an important part of this because I think quietly the, the, the defensive line needs to stay healthy just as much as the offensive line for all this mm. to work. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he walked up the hill pretty somber. And I think that is due to the fact that it was the same issue a year ago. Yeah. So that one, I, I think I, I, for me, I, I imagine at this point, I think that's the one I'm most actually sort of long-term concerned about just because it was a year ago. Um, or the one that was a year ago, uh, Taco Charlton also, he's been out there, but he talked about his ankle not being a hundred percent, which I just thought was really interesting because I think frequently, and it's something that I do as much as anybody. So no, no subtweeting here, but like sometimes I think a guy gets hurt and you go into an off season and you come back and you think like, all right, well, he, he's, he healed up to a hundred percent because his stamina recharged like in Madden. He didn't have to play <laughs> any games. And that's not really how it works. Um, also because DeAndre Baker was, was sidelined. I think yes, the last two days, definitely last two today. Days. Yeah. Okay. Um, which I imagine is probably because he's out here playing football, not that long after breaking his bleeping leg. And that probably takes a toll on your body still. Um, and then, uh, Willie Gay's in the concussion protocol doesn't seem like a big concern right now. And Mike Rimmers has missed uh, a good chunk of time now with a back issue. So, um, I think I'm more concerned about Okafor and, uh, Rimmers of that group. Knee tendonitis for Hill scares me just because he, again, looked great today, but if he's on the injury report in week eight and he's missing, he's limited in practice and it just says knee, it wouldn't surprise me because it seems like it's one of those sort of nagging long-term things. Do, do you do you concur with, with that assessment? Do you think I'm over or underrating any of those in terms of potential seriousness? No, no. I think that's a great uh, summary. We'll keep an eye on Rimmers, but he was at least physically back today watching mm-hmm. his teammates going through a little bit of off-the-field work with, with some training staff members. With Taco Charlton, I think he's had really good reps, but in terms of consistency and playing through soreness, like you mentioned, Josh, that is going to be something that I think the team is going to have to be aware of it so that he's hopefully even more ready to go on September 12th for the home opener against the Cleveland Browns. He needs reps in the preseason, of course, to get his timing, his rhythm back, but you don't want to overextend him uh, just because he's on the second team uh, or, you know, that's sort of his role right now, kind of switching between where Chris is on the defensive line. One other player to add to that, and I always like to tell people when a player's in the concussion protocol, there are a number of steps. Hopefully we all learned from this during the AFC Championship Week last year with the Buffalo Bills. But Willie Gay, who has had the most impressive training camp of the entire team. Yes, Willie yeah. Gay has been more impressive than Patrick Mahomes. Now, are we asking a lot out of Patrick Mahomes? No, not really. But <laughs> he's jumped out the most. Yeah. He had a what appeared to be semi-normal rep. Team looked at him, understood that like, hey, maybe we should take you in the tent, just check you out. He's in the concussion protocol. Sometimes it could take four days. Sometimes it could take 10. It all just depends on 
the person, the severity of the concussion, if the player is diagnosed with such an injury. And the idea, too, is the medical staff knows the baseline of uh, Willie Gay's cognitive functioning. And we will get that to you uh, when an update is necessary. I don't think anybody on the team feels concerned, but I do get the sense that you always want to keep track of who's been in the protocol when the training camp goes on from that point forward, because obviously you don't want it to reoccur later on in the regular season or, you know, preventative as best you can, even though these are grown men running really fast, hitting people really hard in a sport called football. Also, I forgot to mention that Juan Thornhill left with a groin injury a few days back. He was back today, um, but that concerns me just because he was already losing reps behind Dan Sorensen. That, mm-hmm. I mean, we've talked about, you know, we've, come, we've I'm going to assume that this isn't everybody's first episode of Time Zars, so you get it. But yep. that was concerning, and then he was then he was out, you know, missing reps. And I think the the only logic for Dan Sorensen out repping him with the ones is that you know Spags has the utmost confidence that Sorensen's going to be where he's supposed to be. And I I do think it was, it's probably a somewhat important camp for Thornhill to be able to show that that he will also be where he's supposed to be every time. So that that one concerned me a little bit. But he did practice again today. Yes. And next step for us in the Juan Thornhill. What we do in category uh, will be the preseason. Yeah. How will these preseason snaps be distributed? And then we go from there. You know, we 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 assume that Juan's getting treatment before and after practice. Hopefully the groin feels a little bit better each passing day. But again, similar to Taco Charlton, to, you know, Juan's got to play some snaps. And yeah. I would prefer those snaps to be with Tyron Matthew. But... I'm not Steve Spagnuolo. I'm not Dave Barrett. I'm not Sam Madison, so y'all do what y'all do. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, so there's the the injury update, and there's my frustration that will be never-ending at the safeties. Um, And we'll get there when we get there. But um, I I think – well, you you know what? You tell me. Uh, You've you've been there, I think, every single day there's been a practice. Every day. By by the way, here's my little um, note to myself because people have said hello at training camp. It has been – very encouraging and heartwarming, and I appreciate it. People have appreciated both the bucket hat and the Monarchs hat, so I, yes. I can't thank you guys enough. You know, there have been folks that have worn the All Juice Terrence Paler shirt. Um, mm. You know, so I I love it. I'm also driving from yeah. the Kansas yeah. City area every day and back. Yeah. My son will turn six on saturday the off day the off day wow. shout out to andy reed oh what a win what a win um it's honestly the first thing i look at every time we get the training camp schedule it's like and okay i i will i will i can i can work with this so the boy turns six but i'm going back and forth each day it's been a real treat these are 12 hour days and so i kind of have a little and i mean this very seriously a little glimpse to what these coaches be doing yeah and dog <laughs> yeah <laughs> so you talk to so many people it's really enjoyable to get back to a somewhat normal training camp now we're wearing masks in the media tent um you know i'm not out here hugging everybody but it is cool to to get that sort of that training camp atmosphere back it's it's a cool thing to know that i get up in the morning and there's new people um, who want to see this football team practice. I mean, yeah. it's a joy. It really is. But uh, I have been there every day. 
there's been some things that have really jumped out to me. Josh, I want to remind people that the first day in pads are so exciting. <laughs> and then the second day in pads is literally <laughs> the worst. Does anybody look good in the second day of pads? The I don't answer, think I heard anybody look good in the second day of pads. I think that is astute. The answer is no. Yeah. <laughs> the answer is the like Travis Kelsey. Okay. Mm-hmm. But again, his 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 reps have been somewhat limited, and he a Hall of Fame player. So yep. what what are we going by today, Josh? The third day in reps, in, excuse me, in pads in a row is a real indicator for me, particularly in the one on one drills with the offensive lineman and the defensive lineman. I put out some videos on Twitter today. Would yes. you like for me to run down the winners and losers? I would love that absolutely. Okay, Creed Humphrey. I don't need to be sold anymore. I've, 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 I'm fully invested in said player. Uh, in terms of his capabilities, give him Tershawn Warden. Give him Colin Saunders. Give him Jaron Reed. The dude just holds up. He's, he's the starter. We don't need to play this game anymore. Creed yeah. Humphrey is your starting center unless something unforeseeable happens uh, past August 5th. Joe Tooney is a really good guard. And Chris Jones, if you're worried about this, Chris Jones has been a monster. Yeah. A monster, Josh. A living, breathing (laughs) monster. So I should have wrote this, and this is my fault, ladies and gentlemen. I should have wrote this on the first, you know, when I wrote the summary on the first day in pads. Those one-on-one reps, by and large, most people will tell you in the league, those favor the defensive player because there's just so much space. Yes. To work with them. There's so many moves they can throw at you. Imagine just sitting in a squatting position and, again, Chris Jones having the world to get in front of you or to get past you. So that's my fault. But I think Lucas Niang really showed me today because, again, he hadn't been in pads, Josh, in over a year and a half. Almost two years. I mean, it's wild. And he might be the... You know, starting right tackle, if he plays well in the preseason, who knows what's going on with Mike Rimmers' back situation. But I think Lucas Niang is a big winner this week. There were some reps where Frank Clark really pushed it, and there were some reps where Frank Clark was like, yep, that's good. Three steps, yeah. yep, I'm good. I mean, he he's doing the old Derek Thomas uh, from what former players tell me, which is like, one, two, yep, okay. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> like, and, I don't, and, you know, I don't and he's... Want to and sh- he's- He's basically as accomplished as Derek Thomas. Someone's yelling that at their phone right now. I just wanted to say it for whoever was about to say, about to tweet it at us. Now, now people will say, you know, is that fair? Well, he a veteran. He knows he's starting. He knows he needs to generate production in a manner that is um, noteworthy this season. And he cannot make his money in August. Yeah, so, so I get it, but in, yeah, yeah, and in, and in, in a lot of ways, he's he's doing this in service of Lucas Niang. Mm. We cannot forget this. Like some of these reps are in service of your teammate for what they may see coming in September, October, yada yada yada. But I think Lucas Niang showed real improvement from day one to day three. I'll tell you, Josh Tershawn Wharton. It was not clear to me at this time a year ago in training camp because I didn't mm-hmm. know who he was. Mm-hmm. And uh, this man's a player. There's gonna be yeah. some. There's gonna be some observations that I'm gonna put out in today's article uh, that that should that should really show and hopefully help fans understand that 
hey, is it okay? And I know people uh, ask me this in the mailbag. Hey, like, Chris is so dominant on the inside. Why you got to change it? Why you got to, why you got to, it ain't broken. Yeah. I get it. That's been my, I mean, that's that's where I've been for basically this entire experiment. It's like, I don't I don't know if I want to fix this thing that's not broken. Like, and that's right still, at. And he's still mauling Joe Tooney. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I like, I do, I have enjoyed that. Tershawn Wharton is better, I believe. Derek Noddy, never got to worry about him. Also, uh, second best press conference out of camp t- this uh, uh, today. I think um, he and Spags just, are one too. Yeah, he he was great. Um, telling you about how he built a relationship with Willie Gay. Oh, yes. I mean, just yes. say that in a bottle. He rode a jet ski this offseason and said it was the best day of his life. Several people reached out to me and said, didn't he win a Super Bowl? And yeah, yeah, he did. But he said what he said. He said what he said. He'd never been on a jet ski before. But that's a lot of fun. I haven't been on a jet ski in a really yeah. long time, if ever. I'd, I'd like to go fast on the water. I get it. I've, I've, I've loved Derek Nadi's personality from the moment he's he's been in the NFL. But Derek Nadi is is... As solid as can be, fourth-year starter, knows the scheme in and out. Uh, Jaron Reed, new guy coming in. There are three players who you could give faith to to see if this experiment's going to work. And so far, it's been wildly impressive. Because Chris Jones threw Orlando Brown to the ground, and then I immediately looked at everybody in the Chiefs front office. (laughs) Now, I was wearing binoculars, and I'm sure the Chiefs personnel was like, wow. This is this is great, but Chris Jones, ladies and gentlemen, say it with me, was serving Orlando Brown. Okay, because Orlando, you could be doing a lot more of that than whatever was going on in Baltimore. So mm-hmm. I know people are wondering, how has Orlando looked? Again, this is in mostly space, no drop back quarterback, it's one-on-one, it's a hard thing to do. Yep. Josh, has it been pretty? I'm guessing you're about to say it's not been pretty because you it gave me six. It, you gave me six winners and then a bunch of caveats ahead of Orlando Brown. It seems it, like you're going to say it hasn't been pretty. It, it hadn't been pretty. It hasn't been pretty. Now I think in the eleven on eleven he's been fine. I don't think he's been dominant, but um, new scheme, mm-hmm. new teammates, new training camp setting, and again, when does he need to make his money, Josh? Not in August. Probably, so, probably let's go November, December, January. Yep. Maybe February. Maybe early February if, if you get that opportunity. So the defense is doing the offensive line a favor. And those results, the Chiefs hope, will be beneficial and present against the Cleveland Browns, which I think is a very nice unit to start with for yeah. a young offensive line. That could feature three rookies. A guy who wants to be a left tackle um, and star at that position, and a guy who's the most consistent guard in the league, you know. So these are my notes. I hope that they have been entertaining to you. What are your thoughts, Josh? My thoughts are that you gave me six winners and one loser, and I'd like you to expand the list on the right side of my column that I've been writing down on. In terms of losers, yeah, not and, and not like this dude's gotten cooked, but like not not necessarily been pretty. Is that is that true for Tooney? Is that it seems like Trey Smith has been pretty well cooked. Oh, oh, I mean, <laughs> all right, folks, let's rewind. <laughs> let's rewind the tape. All right, if Noah if Noah Gray is a majestic white horse on a oh, sandy wow. beach, okay, is Trey Smith 
The bear in. Tell me the movie again, Josh. The what? The what did you just say? Is he the bear in this movie? Oh, in the Revenant. Yeah, he might be the bear <laughs> in the Revenant. <laughs> I am Noah, so Noah I, Gray is a majestic white horse on a sandy beach. Uh-huh, which, uh-huh. which, by the way, I don't know if you saw this on Twitter, but that that has helped me remember how to spell his name because he is a uh, what uh, a beautiful white horse on a on a sandy yes, beach. Yes. Yes. Not E Sandy, not E a uh, beautiful white horse on a sandy beach, which is his last name has an A, not an E. But so Noah Gray is a beautiful white horse on a sandy beach. Trey Smith is the bear from The Revenant. He might be. <laughs> I mean, Chris Jones patted this man on the buttocks, and I don't know if there's another way of showing respect after a one-on-one drill. I just, I just haven't seen it. Um. That's awesome. Dan Sorensen had to be sore two days ago because Trey can Smith, I guess Trey Smith threw him oh. as if it wasn't his teammate. I just oh. Oh. sometimes oh. you want to sometimes you want to tell Trey they're your teammates. <laughs> the 49ers aren't leaving the schedule. They're they're on the schedule. They're, they're coming next weekend. You, I love these pancakes, but they're your teammates, sir. So. <laughs> He's he's practicing with so much to prove that it's been a, a real treat to watch. I know I've said it in the past that I wasn't necessarily sure that he should be given the chance to earn the job so quickly. Um, yeah, sure. Obviously, the Cal Long injury played a part. Look, Laurent Duvet Tardif, he has rust, and that's okay. Like, it's it's okay. Like, he's been running with the twos. He's been fine. There have been bad reps. There have been good reps, which kind of leads me to believe that, hey, there's just there's just clearly rust there. And I know Laurent's not going to say it publicly um, as explicit as I just did, but mm-hmm. it's okay. Everything's setting up for Trey Smith. We, we'll just see where it goes in the preseason. But, man, he he's a bear. He just he doesn't care. He doesn't yeah. care. And... For as much love as Dan Sorensen gets for his um, attitude on the field, mm-hmm. he buried it. Trey Smith buried this man in a way that was unnecessary. <laughs> Just, and I'm sure Dan was like, look, it's a blitz. I got to run it. You know I got to run it. Uh... <laughs> so, here, that's where we are. Yeah. Um, I, I do think... Nick Allegretti's had a poor camp. Uh, interesting. I was gonna. I was kind of curious about him because it feels like with the amount of work that Andrew Wiley has gotten, like he's yeah. also worked in at right tackle a little bit without Mike Rimmers there. He was playing yeah. left tackle on the, or excuse, he's playing right tackle on the second team when Rimmers was still out there. Um, he's the most movable of those contracts, Wiley. I mean, um, but it seems like he's got a spot right now and th- there's not really a way to move on from LDT it just doesn't seem terribly likely either um it wouldn't free up all that it wouldn't free up any space actually I don't think Zero. Uh, or just move it yeah. to yeah okay it actually um, it actually would kind of have a negative effect on that's you, right if my yeah. memory if my memory is correct I think it would just move more money into next year when they're already going to have some dead money for him and also this isn't a good reason to make choices all the time but the optics of being like, all right, LDT came back from fighting COVID and we cut him in August would just be, it would be bad. I would not like to see that. Um, and he can, it knocks off the rust. He can 
be a, a perfectly like high quality backup guard if Trey Smith stumbles or if Kyle Long doesn't come back, whatever. Anyway, there's also Kyle Long. So it is starting to seem a little bit like Nick Allegretti is maybe the the man without a seat right now and I mean in the guard interior offensive line and musical chairs. Yeah, it's just I keep I keep looking at you know, if you're looking at two guys kind of on the bubble, kind of need to to show you something. Colin Saunders has just worked him every time. Hmm. I'm talking I'm talking in reps and I'm talking in the one-on-ones. It'll be it'll be fascinating to see what happens with Nick Allegretti. Um, because he played and started the majority of last season, which should yeah. give you another indication of how different one year from the next could be when a team knows it needs to address a area of weakness and has the want to, the resources, and the star players um, to get it done. I, you know, I don't know if there's anything that Mike Rimmers did that was poor, um, but he got hurt right as things were getting really interesting. So yeah. uh, he's at an incomplete right now. But again. Playing tackles hard. <laughs> uh, who does Andy Reid trust? If Mike Rimmers is fully healthy, he still may have the inside track on Lucas Niang, who should make wild improvements from the start of camp to September 12th. Yeah. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. On the defensive side, I think we've gone through most guys. Again, Alex Okafor is kind of in that incomplete category right now. I haven't seen much from Josh Joshua Kando, mm. but I'm giving him the whole red shirt. Like, yeah. he not of my concern. Mike yeah. Dana... Uh, had some reps against Orlando Brown in the first day of padded practices that jumped out. Hmm. And um, 
he has shown a little bit of having something to provide in the inside uh, in these team reps. I don't, you know, if we had a, more of a sit down with Spagnolo, I'd be interested to see like what does Danny need to do better on the interior to make to make headway. Um, yeah, because again, I mentioned this earlier, but like he explicitly named yes Jones, Wharton, and Dana as guys that would play different spots this year. Yeah, it's so. it's it's a little bit of a it's a little bit of a of a telltale. I had but, a very short thing that I said there while you were clearly taking a drink. No, it's it really, okay. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. We just keep you, grinding. We you keep kicked grinding. It back to me. You, you, you kicked it out to me, and I passed it right back when you were looking the other way, and the ball hit you in the head. You know, that's not great situational awareness by me. It's okay. It's okay. But I <laughs> I love you, as always. <laughs> by the way, um, I finally got my wife to watch season one of Ted Lasso. Yes. And I am in such a great mood just because just the enduring perseverance of just, hey, what are you bringing from an attitude standpoint? You know, here are your options. Where are you going? When when Beardface tells Roy Kent. Um, Spoiler alerts for season one of Ted Lasso. If you haven't watched it, <laughs> fast forward 45 seconds and then go watch Ted Lasso. Yeah, please, please do it. Uh, grow up and be about something. Hey, that's all I need to hear, Coach. Anyway, transitioning <laughs> to the defensive line, what I feel like from Jaron Reed is, man, this is a this is moving a lot fast. This is moving so fast. Hmm. Like, guys, this is so fast. <laughs> like, I'm so tired. <laughs> it's so hot. <laughs> I'm not in Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> and you know who you know who had a similar reaction uh, two years ago. His name's called Frank Clark. I would say Frank Clark had the exact same experience. Yeah, that's Th- funny. Things are moving so fast for Jaron Reed. Yeah. And the tempo is so fast that he looks really, really good. But then there are times where it's like, man, this is just how many reps we got? This is a lot. Yeah. Is this was th- this practice was in 225. This was in <laughs> the, the CBA a lot of times. <laughs> what? Y'all do how much? <laughs> so it's moving a lot for Jerry. It's just fun to sort of again, and it's because I've been covering the team for a while now that I can I can sort of see these things yes. and draw them back to oh yeah, you're just you're just a new guy with starter role <laughs> reps, just moving all over the place. But he's had some good one on ones. Uh, I feel comfortable with with Jaron Reed right now. Yeah, I don't know if there's anyone else that I've really missed. No, you you flesh out the list pretty well. I just I, the the Allegretti snippet is is noteworthy and and you know there's there's a lot of football to be played, but some keeping an eye on Orlando Brown I think is is probably worthwhile. Um, but th- also just getting that little look at the the one on one drills, I, mm-hmm. I appreciate that. So yeah. let's go secondary then, because this is something else that Spags gave us a, a good amount of stuff on, and uh, that you've obviously seen. You said you feel like you you are pretty confident in the eleven or twelve guys that that are going to end up putting the defense together. You said you've seen Snead be outside and inside, so I think that it sounds like the Chiefs are most likely going in that direction, which makes me very happy um, because I I just like, I like slot Sneed very much. And, yeah, uh, I do and, too. And, and I like I having him on too. the field all the time. So like, that's, you know, that's exciting. So uh, it seems like Warden Sneed on the outside, then Sneed kicks in. 
What's the battle right now on the outside? And also, it, are you surprised at all by seeing a, a relatively, at least as far as I've been able to tell, a relatively small dose of Rashad Fenton? Is that is that a sign that that he's been passed up by Mike Hughes and DeAndre Baker? Or is that just, as you said earlier, you know, Spags wanting to see the new guys? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of the latter. But again, let's see, let's see what the snap distribution is for these first two preseason games. I don't know. It's weird. You always have to tell yourself, like, there are three preseason games. So do the first two count now and the third one doesn't? Or, yeah. like, how's that going to work out? I mean, Andy could – I can see different philosophies, but I still trust Rashad Fenton. Maybe some of this is mental reps for him, too. We have not talked to Rashad Fenton. That uh, might be coming on soon here in training camp. So, obviously, we'll get to ask him some of those questions as well. The secondary is interesting because I, I see – what Tyron Matthews doing, which again, in a lot of ways is making sure guys are where they're supposed to be. Hey, Mike Hughes, what did you see here uh, versus what I saw based on what we understand the coverage to be based on the formation and the personnel? I mean, there's so many things you got to think of as a DB in a matter of seconds that it's just wild to me. Yeah. Um, But I can kind of relate to it because, you know, my one season playing it in like <laughs> high school. Great. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> that means I can't relate. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the The funny thing about where this is headed is Dan Sorensen is Dan Sorensen. There's been really no change there. You know the high variance that he gives you. Uh, you're going to take him with you on, you know, the 53. Obviously, he's going to be active, I think, on game day. Juan Thornhill, we shall see. Tyron Matthew, obviously, is who he is. Bo Peep Keys has kind of turned it on late in the pads. He mm-hmm. was not good without pads, which is kind of weird. Um, but in pads, he's been physical. He's been nice with his presses. I kind of see where it's going for him. I don't know if he can catch up or if he'll kind of start year two on the practice squad kind of thing. But, hey, at least that's at least that's something um, that I can hold on to and feel good about. Armani Watts coming off a foot injury. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Yeah, right. Yep. There's not a ton of safety depth, really. Like it, it, the last couple of years, I think well, we've gotten a we've gotten a um oh god uh, his last name was Thompson. It starts with another another T, right? It was alliterative. The former Seahawk Tedrick. Tedrick. Thank Tedric. you. Uh, yeah. We got like you get the Tedrick Thompson signing. I feel like there was one of those guys two years ago also, and right now it. I mean, they they talk so much about corners and and really defensive backs just being defensive backs. Like that comes up everywhere, obviously. I don't know if that's them thinking that one of the guys that mostly plays corner could be there or if they are happy with Armani Watts. But that, I just, I don't know. I hadn't thought about that until you said Armani Watts' name there. And I kind of realized it's a relatively thin safety group as as opposed to how they usually come together. All right. If you've come this far, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> congratulations. We are 45 minutes in. Okay. let's get the Let's get the good stuff. Will Parks is a veteran. Will Parks! Will Parks is there! All right, I was wrong. There is one of those right. guys. Will Parks is there. Sorry, Will Parks, I forgot about you. I think you even had some time at the podium a few days back. That's my bad. My Rodney, apologies to Will Parks. Yeah, Rodney Clemens. Hey, solid. If you've come this far, kids, I'm going to tell you something right now. Ooh. Devin Key. Yeah, let's do it. Undrafted rookie. Safety. From the University of Western Kentucky or Western Kentucky University. Is on the fifty-three. I I love to hear it. Are you saying he's mostly been playing safety though? Because I've that's not I have not heard that. Uh, today he played free safety. Interesting. 
Interesting. Huh. Now, Devin Key played a lot of positions in the back end at Western Kentucky. Legerious uh, need vibes. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. I'm getting to the bottom as to why this man went undrafted. Mm-hmm. But yet again, the Chiefs may have found another player that by October, people are like, wait, what? Or as soon as in two weeks time? I don't. Devin Key's on the roster. Like, that's 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 what I want you to take away. And now I want to explain some things moving forward. Please. Injuries are always a part of this. So we'll see what we see from Armani Watts. Things can change from August 5th. I'm just saying on August 5th, Devin Key is on the roster. He's getting reps with the ones. He's not making mistakes. He's taking things from Tyron Matthew and applying them on the field. Um, He's got athleticism, but he's also got some versatility to him. And if, the most gigantic if, is if this man has a Ben Neiman-like preseason, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. he will stay on the roster. Yeah. Um. What I have seen so far is just a player who's a little older than, you know, the average rookie coming in. Because I'm going to look right now. Six years at West, or excuse me, five years at Western Kentucky. He was a red shirt and then he played all four. Yeah, he's he's 23. And he is just, he's a professional athlete. Now, I don't know if Devin Key will play massive snaps in the regular mm-hmm. season but can he contribute on special teams can he show out when it's time to show out in the preseason and this has all the makings of Ben Neiman from 2018 where you could kind of tell by this time in training camp you can kind of mm-hmm. tell but if he puts it on the field in the preseason um you can remember this date where it was pretty clear within the organization that Devin Key is the undrafted rookie who has the best chance to make the roster right now. To to go back to Snead as a guy from a smaller school that played in different spots and you know was just sort of listed as a DB and everything. Now Snead was a fourth round pick and and Key was undrafted. Um, but I don't know if Bashad Breland doesn't get suspended last year. I don't know when we see Legarius Snead. Because he he was starting out there, and you, you, maybe you have a better feel for it, but like, would he have started in the slot? Maybe his training camp would have been to try to get him on the field in that in that spot. But like, as raw as everyone sort of assumed he was out of college, I, I don't know if I don't know if we're talking about Legarius Sneed the same way until at least you know partway through the season, perhaps. And and maybe maybe Devin Key, if nothing else falls in front of him, maybe he has a little more time to. But before he has to be under the spotlight, but it sounds like from what you've seen at camp, he would be ready for it if it if it came sooner rather than later. Perhaps, and the thing that'll always be, you know, intriguing, complexing to look back at, even ten years from now, is the no preseason game factory last year, and Legarius yeah. and Legarius need just being ready. Yeah, but 
similar makeup, guys who were ready to take on responsibility, guys who were clearly ready to be coached coming in the NFL. And that is always not the case. Some guys come in the NFL and the coaching's different in college because it has to be. <laughs> yeah. Um, And it just takes people time to understand that just as it is in your profession. Like what you do in college and what made you successful, we're asking different and more and right now. <laughs> like yeah. not, not, not in two months time. No, no, no. I kind of need it. Today or tomorrow, if you would prefer. So <laughs> I think. Hey, can I, I get this? Can I get this for you today? I don't. I don't know. All right, tomorrow then. Uh, I guess if that's what I've got. All right, tomorrow then it's tomorrow. <laughs> then it yeah. then it has to be tomorrow. So I think Devin Key um, has the makings of, of something really interesting. But again, a lot can change between August fifth and August thirty first, which is cut down day when we will know who will make the initial roster before the home opener and season opener on September 12th. Everybody loves training camp for this reason, including me, including the scouts, including the guys in the locker room, including the fans. To reach this level, you have to be special, whether you are number one on the roster or number 53. But there's always that chance of someone who wasn't drafted for whatever reason, because there's always reasons. Hell, we we all know what happened with Trey Smith, and that looks um, foolish, as they would say. <laughs> yeah, yes. So if a guy understands the opportunity, seizes it, and knows that the window is like a Mission Impossible kind of scenario, mm-hmm. isn't that what sports supposed to be? Yeah, absolutely. So... Um, I've identified this player for you, ladies and gentlemen. If you sit down on your couch and want to get through halftime and want to stay with the television, here's someone to have some level of investment in because he has a legitimate chance of actually making the roster as perhaps that third safety, perhaps that four core special teamer, that guy that you can trust, even though he's an undrafted rookie. But at this point to wherever you are in the season, He's done everything you've asked of him, and he's been ready at every step. One thing that the offensive line and the defensive backs have undeniably in common is simply the more things that you can do, the extensively better chance you have of having a roster spot, of getting playing time, et cetera, et cetera. If that's, if that's uh, Andrew Wiley and Devin Key, that's who it is, because Andrew Wiley can play if in, in a dire situation four, maybe five spots on the offensive line. Like, he's capable of it. It's not going to be great at left tackle or even right tackle, but he could do it. If Devin Key is a guy who you could you could have do some of Spags' favorite safety stuff, you could have him play corner, you could have him be one of the, be a four-core special teams guy, like you said, that's the path to take. And so that I find uh, very, very interesting. Uh, we, we've got, assuming you're good on those fronts, I, I have, I think, two other things I definitely want to get to. Maybe sure. maybe three if we can squeeze them in. Let's do it. Uh, did I hear another? What was that noise? Did you sneeze? It sounded like it sounded enough like Seth to me that I thought maybe we were getting bombarded. <laughs> I, did, I didn't sneeze. Um, I, I'm, I'm clicking buttons here. By the way, uh, can Devin Key be better last year than Darius Harris? Because Darius Harris started two games. That's. Yeah, that's true. 
<laughs> so there point. you go, kids. That's that's yeah, the Mendoza line. Can yeah. can Devin if Devin Key makes the roster, can he be better than what Darius Harris was last year, who also didn't have a preseason game or didn't have a preseason coming back from an injury in nineteen and he had the system for two years before he was ever on the field. Devin Key is trying to do this with one year in the system, basically an offseason training camp, that regard. But let's continue. I don't know if there was a sneeze. Um, something just took, something startled me. Is all I got, I got, thankfully, I, got, I took my allergy enough. medicine. Me too. God, it, it's not fun out there. Uh, la- one last thing here on the defensive backs. I had a one-word answer for you as to who is more likely to make this roster. Okay. Key or keys? Key. I agree. I figured that was going to be the answer to it. Seemed, it seems like if Devin Key makes the roster, it, put, it puts Bo Peak Keys in a, in a tough spot because um, you, you got to be able to put that dude on the field. But also practice squads, and yep. hopefully that ends up working out. Uh, all right, so here's here's two other things. We spent a lot of time on the defense, spent a lot of time in the trenches, but what about the pass catchers? You've, you've tweeted about McCole Hardman a few times. It seems like he's had some good moments and um, mostly good moments as far as I've seen. Consistency, yeah. though, obviously a huge story with him. Uh, have seen relatively little about Cornell Powell and, and really even like Demarcus Robinson talk today. I haven't heard bleed about Cornell Powell now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah. Uh, walk me through the pass catchers real quick. Cornell Powell looks like a rookie. Um, mm-hmm. Demarcus Robinson flashes, but in weirdly, he's had less reps. But like, yeah. again, you have to remind yourself, kids, this is year six. So like yeah. Andy, Andy kind of alluded to it today where he's like, he, yeah, said he, knows, it. He, he knows all the positions. Like he's, he's he in said- the... I think yeah. he said Demarcus is fine. I think is what he said. Yeah, I was like, yeah, that's about right. Yeah, like Demarcus is fine. Year six, been in the system the whole time. Yes, he's an eligible guy for. Hey, you want to grab that number two receiver spot? I still think that is mostly reserved for McCole Hardman because you want to tap into that potential more consistently, as you mentioned, Josh. But look, he's in there. He's in the mix. He's fine. He he hadn't taken a lot of reps, but. Um, there's not been a time where I've been like, ooh, Demarcus, what are you doing? Nope. Actually, it's been Demarcus. Yep, looks the part. Uh, I think the big winner, and I wrote this a couple days ago, is Byron Pringle. Um <laughs> That's his, gonna get me some tweets because I just have not, I've been a skeptic. So tell me why I've been an idiot. His routes have been a little bit better. He has a he has increased speed, which gives him a deep element, you know, terms of running the deep routes and actually connecting on them. Um I again Kind of need to see it in the preseason, but I think Byron, I think Byron Pringle has solidified himself on this roster right now. Um, Garrick Dieter's Garrick Dieter. I don't say that mean. Mm-hmm. I don't say that in a great way. It's just he's maxed his potential, and yeah. I I love him to death. I know how much it means to him to have played the little bit of amount he's played. I know how soul crushing it was when he got cut last year, understanding that they could keep him on the practice squad because of the new rules to have veterans on it because of the whole COVID situation, which is obviously, you know, we're still living in that world by and large. Um, Marcus Kemp's been better. Like I just, it gets really tough when you get to the Garrett Dieters, the Marcus Kemp's, the Antonio Callaways, Antonio Callaway, Kind of sliding. Uh, yeah. Unfortunate that he had that he got hurt today. Um, again, well, you know, once we hear something, I'll, I'll update people on Twitter and, and in the uh, stories in the Athletic. But Marcus Kip, let's remind people: year four. Mm-hmm. Um, he should know what's going on like that, and that's valuable. And he's and he's played well. 
Caught yeah. some touchdown pass from Patrick Mahomes on the first day of Pats. You know, Demarcus Robinson had a really nice touchdown today in the red zone. That is all over Twitter if you want to find that. Um, but Marcus Kemp has jumped over Garrett Theater. He's jumped over Cornell Powell, which is fine because Cornell Powell's a rookie. Um, and Demarcus Robinson's fine. I'll, I'll take all that as is. Uh, and then and then I'll, I'll get us out of here on this. This is one of those rare things that I actually have no idea where it's going, but it's very exciting for me because you mentioned right before the show that you, you had a couple of thoughts about uh, mm. training camp as an from an overall viewpoint. Yes. And yes. I don't even know what you mean at all. So so hit me. This training camp has been so boring. Yeah. <laughs> all right. I, I could have gotten close. It's it. This camp has been boring. <laughs> Okay. Yep. And if you're a Chiefs fan, that's exactly what you want to hear. That's right. If you're the coaching staff, oh, no words have been better said out of Nate Taylor's mouth. Yes. Um, if you're the players, that means we're like doing our job, doing it well, getting in and getting out. Now, what do I mean by that? It's been boring because we as human beings like a little crazy in our life. Okay. Like, the New York Giants had a full team fight. Bro, I can't. Jason Garrett said, call me coach. And he had the word <sighs> fight sharpied on his shirt. Sharpied on it. Jason Garrett. He's not even the head coach. Coach! They what should call him coordinator. Look, the the Carolina Panthers had to cut a guy. Because, you know, he out here playing too hard. Uh, yes. The people in Miami are asking to it. Hey, can you throw a deep ball, dog? Because I don't know if you can. Like, today, Joe Burrow can't complete passes past the sticks right now. That's also not good. Yeah, just just look around. The Vikings. You. The, uh, also, Nate, the Vikings. Oh. You know? <laughs> when the head coach is like, yeah, these boys just don't get it, and he said it out loud. Your last two things you've said, my my headphones just decided, nah, man, you don't get to hear this because it's too it's too loud, it's too high register. Look, look, I've always said, are you better than Kirk Cousins? And that's how I view you, okay? Yeah, if yeah. you sling a ball around in a jersey for millions of dollars. Yeah. That being said, what has gone on in Minnesota is not is not occurring in Kansas City. I watched the NFL Network, and this was a literal quote. We're going to go to Denver next, and they're looking for their quarterback. Yep. No joke, okay? <laughs> they don't know who their quarterback is. It's August 5th. <laughs> All this is to say is that the Chiefs are so boring that it took Peter King 15 days on his travel trip across America to finally come to St. Joseph. It occurred today. The legend Peter King Waited until August 5th. <laughs> the NFL Network's been here two times with yeah. Kurt Warner and Maurice Jones-Drew. Shout out to Jeff Chadia. He's been around. But, like, it's been boring. And the Chiefs want it to be boring yeah. until September 12th. I, uh, I concur. I also think that some of the – this is also something that people don't always – 
digest the right way. So I think your clarification of it's boring exactly like the like the Chiefs want it to be is very important. Because yeah. look, I mean, this this was born whenever the Chiefs were terrible, and I've seen it pop up again a little bit. Some of that sort of like um, smaller market sort of jealousy, sort of insecurity that can pop up every once in a while of like the Chiefs are the Chiefs won the Super Bowl and then went back again last year. Nobody's talking about them. Yeah, man, because the Chiefs don't really have any major August storylines from a national perspective. We here can talk about the Chiefs' offensive line for three months because we've been doing it. Um, but it is, if you're it on is, NFL Network, it's better to talk about yes. the, the Giants right now. Or the Carolina Panthers. And, yeah. you know, you guys going to trade for Deshaun Watson? Oh, by the way, we didn't even mention Houston. Just Yeah, ah, God. God. Ah. So, again, <laughs> this – I love my job. And it's – no matter which team you cover, there's always something. So, I don't, I don't want to, you know – I hope people understand where I'm coming from. But again, just to double check, as as Josh alluded to, like there's always something. And I I, I just want people to know that like there have been no media driven distractions. There have been no team created distractions. They're just practicing football day in, day out in a manner that Andy Reid would like. And if you're talking about winning competent teams, that may be helpful towards your successful season that you are embarking on. Um, I could say the same thing about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Mm. Josh, is their training camp been interesting? I honestly, I, I mean, you said that, and I immediately thought I, I, I couldn't tell you a single thing that I've heard about Buccaneers training camp. Honestly. So here we are. Here we are. So, I mean, just weirdly enough, the Cleveland Browns have had a quiet training camp, and that is absurd. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the Chiefs have had one of the most boring. And I just wanna I just want people to understand that within the context of the other thirty-two teams and obviously relevancy, whether they're gonna compete or not. But uh it was just something that I thought of all week while understanding like, yeah, there are interesting things going on in all thirty-two teams, and we as human beings tend to gravitate to the crazy. Yeah. And, uh, you know, look, the, the camp from the craziness perspective has been boring. You know, it hasn't been boring. What Nate Taylor has written about them. And, oh, my goodness, we didn't even get the Tony Gonzalez. Remember, remind me next show, please, yes, if we need yeah, a second yeah, yeah, to yeah, fill yeah, about yeah, Tony yeah. Gonzalez. Um, <laughs> because Nate's got all sorts of camp observations that are up there right now. Uh, imagine there'll be a new one either about the same time this podcast gets posted, shortly before, shortly after, somewhere in there. And also, Tony Gonzalez's place on the NFL 100 that The Athletic is doing right now. That is new as well. So uh, a ton to follow along with there uh, plus of course you can follow Nate who's up there every single practice on Twitter at by Nate Taylor um, I'm at JB Briscoe on Twitter and will tweet about things as they become relevant and uh, I think I'm gonna be up there I think I'm gonna be up there Monday is my oh yeah plan. oh yeah and, Monday. Uh, we'll, we'll get to actually see a padded practice for the first time in this camp which seems like a whole lot more fun than watching the uh, the rookies kind of practice so uh, for all of your your various tra- Chiefs training camp coverage Read The Athletic, read Nate's work that is coming out at a ridiculous pace, and uh, you can follow us on Twitter. And of course, also, if you haven't, if you have not subscribed to Times Ours, you can get that, get the show wherever you get your podcasts, and uh, tell somebody else. If, if you're a Chiefs fan listening right now, it'd be wild if you weren't. If you're a Chiefs fan listening right now, and you know you got <laughs> friends that are looking for some good Chiefs content, tell them about Times Ours. Tell them they can get it wherever they get their podcasts, because that's true. Uh, and then also you can tell about how every week I throw it to Nate at the very end of the show. And sometimes he has a plan for how to wrap it up and sometimes he doesn't. And this is one of those times, kids, where I don't have a plan. Yep. All, <laughs> other word, otherwise to say, um, yeah, 
it's been fun and we're not even halfway through training camp so uh stay with us and let's see let's see what these guys do in a week's time as they get ready for their first preseason game good clean boring fun